Amen. Let's take our Bibles this morning to the book of Amos, Amos chapter number five. And it's good to be in church this morning. And I appreciate the pastor giving me the opportunity to preach in his absence. Do be in prayer for the group as they are uh, away and pray for their safe return. And uh, I don't know about you. I, I hope you feel the same way, but I am looking forward to everybody getting back. Amen. And uh, so we're looking forward to that and looking forward to what the Lord has for us this year. I'm excited about what the Lord's doing and uh, what he's going to continue to do if we allow him to work through us. Amen. And uh, looking forward to a great year around the things of the Lord. Uh, this morning, Amos chapter number five, if you will. And uh, we'll look at a passage of scripture there in the, uh, the latter portion of that chapter. And if Amos chapter number five is, or Amos, the book of Amos is a very uh, interesting book. As we look throughout the book of Amos, we see that God is constantly uh, trying to draw his people back to himself. And in, verse, in chapter number four, uh, we see over and over and over again throughout that chapter a recurring theme that God has done something in the life of the children of Israel. And the Bible says, yet hath he not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Uh, God desires for his people to be in fellowship with him, uh, to be in, in one accord with him. And uh, that, that's the desire of God. Uh, many times we as Christians, uh, I think, uh, and I don't know, maybe I've, I've gotten this way in my life, so I just assume that other people have gotten this way in their life. Uh, we really lose track of who our God is. We forget that he is the one who created everything that we see. The Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above. Cometh down from the Father of lights. God is the one who gives us every good thing that we have in our life. There is nothing good in and of ourselves. The Apostle Paul confessed that. He said, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. And we, as God's people, we, we need to understand who it is we serve. God loves us. Listen, if you don't remember anything else that's said this morning, I hope you remember that. God loves you. There's the God of heaven that spoke the world into existence. That same God looks down from heaven today, and he loves each and every person in this room. I thank God for his love for me. If you look at yourself, if we look within ourselves, we'd have to confess that there's no reason that we give God to love us. Yet he does. That's how good our God is to us. We live in a society today, though, that has and promotes a half-hearted mentality. Uh, my son, Damon, knows a whole lot more about sports than I do. I don't watch the NBA. I don't watch the NFL. I watch a little bit of college basketball, and I watch these guys play basketball. So, you know, and I watch the Georgia Bulldogs, and that's all I'll say about that, but we'll so I don't know a whole lot about sports, but Damon is telling me about the NBA and how that teams just don't play defense anymore throughout the season until you get down to the finals, and then they start playing defense so they can win you know, the championship. And I just, that just doesn't compute with me. I grew up in the Atlanta area, and uh, I lived in a trailer park. And I had some concrete outside. In fact, we had two lots that were ours, 
and uh, that we that we lived on, and there was a vacant lot next to us. So I had two driveways that made a really long basketball court. We put a basketball goal up, and we were the only ones in the trailer park that had our own basketball goal. And I was about 12, 13, so all the guys who love playing basketball came to our house to play basketball. And there were guys that were much more talented than me, and I know that shocks you guys. There was somebody more talented than me, but no, I'm, but there was guys that were much more talented than me that would get out there and play basketball, and they always got annoyed by me. I know that's hard for you to believe that anybody would ever be annoyed by me, but they always got annoyed by me because I would never take a play off. I always gave it everything that I could and everything that I had. Now, I had to do that because I wasn't as good as anybody else. I, I was always not as talented than everybody else, so I had to give more. I had to work harder. But it just doesn't compute with me the mentality of only doing things halfway. Uh, as we look at Scripture, God does not like things being done halfway. The Bible says in our text in Amos chapter number 5, verse number 21 is where we'll begin reading. God makes a very interesting statement to his people. He says in verse number 21, I hate... I despise your feast days. I will not smell your solemn assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beast. Take you away from me the noise of thy songs, for I will not hear the melody of thy vials. Now here, God has given command to his people to offer sacrifices. You read the Old Testament in the book of uh, Exodus, Leviticus. God sets up the commands to his people to offer the sacrifices that he's referring to here. He commands his people to sing praise unto his name. Yet we get to the book of Amos, and he tells them that I hate these things. I despise these things. The very things that God had commanded the people of God to do, in the doing of those things, now God despises it. Now God hates it. Why is that? Did not God command them to burn incense? Absolutely he did. Did not God command them to burn the burnt offerings and, the, and give the meat offerings? Absolutely he did. Those all were there for a purpose and a picture of our relationship with God and also the picture that Jesus Christ would one day come, that Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. It was pictures that the Lamb of God would one day come. How could God despise a picture of his own son? How could that be? God tells the people, I want you to stop it. I despise it. I hate it. These are some strong words. The Bible says in verse number 24, but let judgment run down as waters and righteousness as a mighty stream. Have ye offered unto me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness 40 years, O house of Israel? But ye have borne the tabernacle of your Moloch and Shion, your images the star of your God, which you made to yourselves. Therefore will I cause you to go into captivity beyond Damascus. 
saith the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. God here pronounces judgment on his people. He reminds them at the end of that judgment how much he loves them. Because he says, he refers to himself as the, saith the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. He reminds them that he is their God. Let me just say this morning, it does not matter where we get in our lives. God is still God. God will never cease to be God. And God is the creator of the universe. He owns us by creation. God owns us by creation. But those of us that are born again this morning, he owns us by redemption. We belong to God. But God has given all of us, because he loves us, he's given all of us a free will. He's given all of us a choice. And I look around, and I'm not talking just in our church, but certainly this would be true among God's people and this many people in one room. There are those of us that call ourselves children of God who are not giving God all that he desires. You see, the people of God never stopped offering sacrifices to God. In fact, the Bible even says for 40 years... You've offered sacrifices unto me, but you didn't offer sacrifices to me alone. He said, not only did you offer sacrifices to me in the the wilderness for 40 years, but you also bore your temple, your, your tabernacle rather, of Moloch. If you study scripture, Moloch was a god of the Amorites. That God of the Amorites was served and worshipped by wicked, vile acts of ungodliness, culminating with the sacrifice of children on a burnt altar, on a burnt altar. That's what Moloch was. We sit here and 2023 and an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist church. And we were appalled that someone would offer their child as a burnt sacrifice to a false god. And, well, we should be appalled at that. I mean, I'm with Pastor. When he talks about the abortion crowd and hating abortion, uh, the, the act of abortion, that sin, that wickedness, that murder that takes place... Man, it puts a fire in me, and, and, and that should not go on. Especially in a country that says, in God we trust. And we're killing our children. And we'll get fired up about abortion. And well, we should get fired up about people taking the innocent lives of unborn babies. But, hold on. Among God's people... Today, there are those who are sacrificing born children on an altar to a false god. Hold, Brother Montgomery, I've never seen that happen. I mean, there are not altars that 
are out here that we can just go and people are actually taking their children and tying them up and, and sacrificing them on, on burnt altars. That's not happening in our society in America. No, but spiritually it's happening right here in, our, in the midst of us at times. You see, I've grown up in church and many times I read about false gods and I'm thinking, how can anybody worship a false god? I mean, don't we know who the God of heaven is? How, how is anybody going to sit and worship some statue that you could put on your mantle and have to dust his head off every day? It just doesn't make sense. But I've known this in my own life, and I'm not proud to say it. I've worshipped false gods. And if you're honest with yourself, so have you. In our hearts, the Bible talks about here, the Bible says you have borne the tabernacle of Moloch and Shion, your images, the star of your God, which ye made to yourselves. The connotation here is that they had them on their person. They made them themselves and they would carry them around where no one could see them. And when no one was looking, they'd pull it out and worship that God that they had made. You know that every time that I do what I want to do above what God says to do, I serve the false god of humanism. It's a false religion that every single one of us at times in our life have worshipped. What God is telling his people is that half is not enough. Well, I'm still going to church on Sunday morning, Brother Montgomery, and Sunday night, most of the time on Wednesday night. What more do you want? It's not about what I want. It's about what God wants. Well, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. In fact, if you'll read the New Testament, the Pharisees talked about how much they tithed and all the things they did in service to the Lord. Jesus even said these ought you to have done, but not to leave the other undone. What God was telling them is the same thing he's saying here in the book of Amos, that half is not enough. You see, as Christians, we need to learn to do what we say we're going to do. We sing the song, all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. We sing those words. The Bible says that we're held accountable for every idle word that we speak. We say all to Jesus I surrender. But many times we're living most to Jesus. I surrender. Or some to Jesus. I'll give you this. You see... We, as God's people, need to learn 
to give God our all. When we do what we want to do, we are not just affecting ourselves. Talked about that altar of Moloch. The people of God that served Moloch and worshipped him, they had the opportunity to turn back to God after they had worshipped a false god. But their children didn't. Because they had burnt up their life on an altar to a false god. When we as Christians do what we want to do over what God says to do, we are offering our children to the God of this world. We have the mentality, well, I'm strong enough to handle it. I've been saved long enough to know better. And I can get right because God's a gracious God, God's a merciful God, and I can do what I want to do, and then I'll get right and I'll be okay. Never thinking about our children that are in the nursery. Never thinking about the teenagers that sit over here. And let me just pause and say, Y'all plug your ears. What great potential sits right there? God, what potential sits in this room right here? If we would get a hold of what God is trying to get us to get a hold to this morning and give him our all, there is no limit to what God could do with this church. There's no limit to what God could do with your life and with my life if we would give God our all. Half is not enough. We, as Christians, need to learn to give God our all. This morning, I want to point out four areas. Just four areas this morning that we need to give God our all, where half is not enough. The first thing I'll say this morning is the half heart of faith is not enough. There are many that try to come to God because they know Jesus Christ. There are many in our society today that name the name of Jesus Christ. I've talked to people and I say, if you die today, do you know for sure you go to heaven? Oh, I know Jesus. I say, when it, tell me about how you got saved. Well, and they can't give a clear explanation or testimony of where they got saved or how they got saved. You know, salvation is not something that's mystical. Some, salvation is not something that just slaps you upside the head and you got it. Salvation is an act of faith. The Bible says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible also tells us that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. By the way, the Bible also says, how pe shall people hear without a preacher? So it is God's plan that the word of God be preached, proclaimed to people who have not accepted him so they can hear and take the faith and put it in him for eternity. It's not something that slaps somebody up that side of the head. It's something that must be accepted by faith. The Bible says that each of us is given the faith that is necessary for salvation. In Romans chapter 12, verse number 3, in the latter part of that verse, the Bible says, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure 
of faith. You have the faith that it takes to get saved this morning. If you're here this morning and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, let me just say, you have the faith within you this morning to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's available to you, the gift of salvation. The God, has, the God of heaven has already given you the faith necessary for salvation. What we invest that faith in or place that faith in determines our eternity. If I put my faith in being a good person, I think I'm a pretty good person. Now, my wife may not agree, but I think I'm a pretty good person. But if I put my faith in being a good person, then I'm going to die and go to hell. Because the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not one among us that's perfect. We're all sinners. But there's a God in heaven who loves us. And sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. He shed his precious blood on the cross of Calvary as a payment for our sins. And three days later, he rose again from the grave. He took his blood to heaven and he paid for my sins and your sins and the sins of the whole world in heaven with his own blood. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 11 and verse number 6. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. What is the Bible saying here? He's saying either you're going to have salvation by grace and grace alone, or either salvation comes by work and work alone. And we know that from Scripture, salvation doesn't come by work because the Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible also says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saves us. This morning I'm glad to know that I am saved and on my way to heaven, but it's not because of anything that I've done. It's because of what Jesus Christ did for me. And one day, when I was a 16-year-old young man, I realized that I was a sinner, and I was lost and on my way to hell, and if I'd have died right then, I'd have split hell wide open. And I had to admit that to God. I had to be honest with God. Realize that I could not help myself. And put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he had done for me on the cross of Calvary. And he finished it for me. And I, by faith, just accepted what he had already done. You see, I can't try to be good enough to get myself to heaven and trust Jesus. Too many in society are trying to have it both ways. Well, if I put my if I go put my tithe in on every, every Sunday, well, these ought you to have done. But that's not going to get you to heaven. Well, if I go to church Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and Sunday school and I'm faithful to church, then I'll be okay. It's sad to say that there are people that will go to hell from churches just like this that sit on the pews every Sunday. That's sad to say. It should not be that way. But there has to come a time in our own lives 
on a personal basis. Young people, it's not between your mom and dad and you. It's between the God of heaven and you. Middle-aged people, young people, it's not between you and a pastor. Are you and a hero? Are you and a parent? Are you and a spouse? It's between you and God. Has there been a time in your life where you have accepted Jesus Christ and Him alone to take you to heaven? Because let me just tell you from Scripture, half is not enough. You can hold on to what the world calls religion, and what we're doing this morning is not religion. What we're doing this morning is biblical Christianity. But you can hold on to what the world calls religion, and you can die and go to hell. Because it's through Jesus Christ and the shed blood of Calvary and Him alone. Half's not enough. I'll say number two this. A half heart of faithfulness is not enough. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse number 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Now we're speaking to Christians at this point. Those who have been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, like we just spoke about. We're not talking about lost individuals. We are talking about people who have been born into the family of God, that they have been born again, and they know for sure they're on the way to heaven because you can't be a servant, you can't be a steward if you're not part of the family. The Bible says, moreover, it is required in stewards. I thank God for this truth. Because as I said before, just like in sports, I was not really talented. I'm not very talented in much of anything, I'll just be honest with you. I'm not the best of any area you want to look at. I'm glad that God didn't tell me I had to live up to a certain criteria when it came to serving God in order to be found faithful uh, or, or in order to be, to be successful. God just told me all I had to do was be faithful to Him. All I have to do... Preacher used to say it all the time. Anybody can just show up. You know, just keep showing up. Now I look around this morning, and I see some faithful individuals. Now, this makes me feel old, but it will really make you all feel old. So I'm going to say it. When I came here when I was 21 years old, Brother Bland had hair. Where did he go? Is he even in here? There he is back there. And Brother Warden's hair was black. Brother Hamilton, we won't even start. Well, what am I saying? I look around the room this morning, and I see some people, and there's many others that I could name, that have just been faithful through the years to continue to serve. I know those men that I've mentioned, they would never say that they were the most talented or had the most ability. But they've been faithful to this point in their life. Any of us can be faithful. No, we ought to be faithful to the Word of God. And did you read your Bible before you came to church this morning? Do you have a walk with God? 
Are you faithful to the word of God? You see, we'll not continue to serve God with longevity unless we're faithful to the word of God. Because the word of God is what will keep us faithful in the service of God. Because without a relationship with the God of heaven, there's no reason to serve him. We can become our own God then, as we've already talked about. You see, we, we, we live in society today where we allow things to clamor for our attention, and the main thing's not the main thing in the Christian life anymore. Uh, this is calling for my attention, and I've got to take care of this, and we call it putting out fires. You know, you've got to take care of this and take care of this, and I've got this going on with the kids, and I've got this going on, with, and I've got to take care of all these things. This is clamoring for my time, and we don't give time for the Lord. Maybe you might need to learn what time the sun comes up in order to have time with the Lord. You know, you can read your Bible any time of the day, but let me say this. It's a whole lot better to have spent time with the Lord before you face your first problem of the day. It would be a whole lot better to be faithful to the Word of God and allow the Lord to instruct us. Let me just say, as rough as people think that I am and my personality is, y'all better thank God that I have the word of God, amen? Because it stops me from saying half the things I want to say. <laughs> I just remember, remember the book of Proverbs and my dad echoing that, that truth in my ear over and over again. He said, son, it's better to keep your mouth shut and let everybody think you're an idiot than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> Do you know that's a Bible principle? It is. It's a Bible principle. We ought to spend time in the word of the Lord. That's why it's good not to talk about things you don't really know about. We try to, anyway, I'll, I'll move on. I'm running out of time. Big time. Brother Hagen, why'd you do that clock? It's faithful to the word of God. We need to be faithful to the church of God. You know, every time the church doors are open, we need to be in the house of the Lord. We say, well, it's just everybody expects me to be there, so I got to be there. Do you understand that the Bible tells us there's a purpose for that, that we'll help one another? You being in church is not just for you. Though you should get something from the word of God when you come to the house of God. But you coming to church may be for someone sitting next to you or someone sitting across the, the auditorium from you. And you'll be an encouragement to them to keep on keeping on. You see, we need to be faithful to the church of God. Do you understand that, that Jesus Christ died for the church? We put far too little importance on the things that God puts great importance on. We need to be faithful to the man of God. I mentioned it in Sunday school this morning, so I won't speak a long time on it now. But we need to learn what it is to be loyal to the man of God, our pastor. Amen, Brother Montgomery. I'll, I can amen myself. That's okay. We need to be faithful to the man of God. We need to learn what it is to be loyal. We need, we need to, you know, do what the Bible says and seek counsel. And then obey them that have the rule over you and submit to them. 
That's Bible. That's not opinion. You can call it opinion all you want, but it doesn't change the fact that it's Bible. You see, we need to learn to be faithful. If we're going to, a half heart of faithfulness is not enough. I can't be faithful in this area and pick and choose where I want to be faithful. If I'm going to be faithful to God and I'm going to be found faithful at the end of my life, I need to be faithful to the Word of God. I need to be faithful to the house of God. I need to be faithful to the man of God. And I need to be faithful to prayer to God. You know what prayer changes you? Prayer changes things, but prayer changes you. There are so many times that I go to the Lord in prayer and I start talking about my problems and I end up with the Holy Spirit bringing Scripture to my mind and praying Scripture and telling the Lord what I need to hear. I, I don't know if anybody else is like that. Maybe the Lord just does that to me. But, and, I, and I have to have a revival as I'm praying and, and say, Lord, forgive me. I've been wrong. My spirit's been wrong. My attitude's been wrong. The way I've been going about things has been wrong. Lord, forgive me. You know what that happens? It doesn't just always happen just from reading the Word of God. It comes from spending time and humbling yourself. There's something about humbling yourself to God and getting on your knees before God and saying, God, I have got to have your help. That humility that God's looking for, a half heart of faithfulness is not enough. A half heart of follow is not enough. Number three. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 15, verse number eight, he's echoing the prophet. He said, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. God used Jehu in the Old Testament. Jehu did some mighty works for the Lord in obedience to God. But God said about Jehu, his heart's not right with me. See, Jehu did not end his life pleasing God because his heart was not right with God. Asa, the king in the Old Testament, was a good king. For most of his life. Until he failed to seek the face of God. And God called him on the carpet for it. And he would not get right with God. And he spent the latter years of his life in painful agony until he died. Because he wouldn't humble himself to God. You see... You can follow God for a long time, but that doesn't mean you're going to end right. Because a half heart of follow is not enough. You can't decide, I'm going to follow God in the way that I speak and not follow God in the way in which I live. Did y'all hear that? I thought I heard crickets. You see, you can't serve God and honor God in the way you speak while you have bitterness and anger in your heart. Jesus 
called Andrew, Peter, James, and John while he was walking by the sea one day. They had already come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ prior to this. This is Jesus calling them to a life of service. And Jesus looks and says simply this, Follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And the Bible says, straightway, they left their nets. James and John not only left their nets, they left the boat and their father and followed Jesus. They didn't hold on to anything. We're trying to hold on to things in our life too much. Well, this is mine. I worked hard to get it. Well, if God says, let it go, I don't know what you're, what you're thinking about, but if God says, let it go, let it go and follow him. This was their career that we're speaking about here. They were fishermen, but God gave them a higher calling. We must follow the Lord completely. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 16, the command is given, Be ye followers of me. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Scriptures, of the Holy Spirit of God in the Scriptures in 1 Corinthians, is speaking to the Christians of the church of Corinth, and he says, under the inspiration of the Scripture, Follow me. As Christians today and members of Emmanuel Baptist Church, we are to follow the pastor that God has given us. Follow him. It's the same command. Well, who does he think he is? He doesn't think he is anybody except the God-called man of God that God has placed in this church to serve him and to lead us to serve him as well. A half heart of follow is not enough. And I'll, I'll end with this one, and I'll be done. A half heart of fear is not enough. Brother Montgomery, fear? Absolutely. You see, we have far too little fear of God in our, amongst Christians today. You know what we fear more than we fear God? We fear getting blackballed by the brethren. We fear what the world may think of us because we look different and act different and talk different. Well, I don't want anybody to laugh at me. You know, it's a good thing. Teenagers, it'd be good for you. <laughs> Just get comfortable with people laughing at you. Seriously. And learn to laugh at yourself. You know, I learned this to be true, and we won't like this, but it's true. People make fun of other people to make themselves feel better because they're insecure. So if you're always making fun of people, it's probably because you're insecure about yourself. So just get over yourself. Learn to laugh at yourself. But we fear the wrong things. I don't want anybody to laugh at me. If I, if I take a stand for what's right, then people are going to make fun of me. Well, okay. You know, <laughs> I know this is hard to believe. 
But just try to imagine this with me if you can. I've been made fun of a lot in my life. I know it's hard to believe. In fact, it may have happened in the last week. I just don't know about it. But you know what? This morning, I'm standing here alive and well. It didn't kill me. What do you know? Somebody being made fun of is not the end of the world. I'd rather be made fun of for doing right than have the Lord laugh at me when calamity comes. Just read the book of Proverbs. You see, we don't fear God enough. We need to be reminded this morning as God's people, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 31. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. We serve a living God this morning, a God who is able to do anything, but we don't fear him like we should. We think that we can fool God. Oh, we do. We try to tell everybody else, well, you don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing because you can't see my heart. That's true, but God can. And you're not fooling God. Oh, well, of course, I, you know, my heart is good, so God will understand that. Well, hold on just a second. Let's talk to a couple people in the New Testament and find out if a good heart really makes that big of a difference when it comes to a half heart of fear. Well, all you have to do is put, turn to the book of Acts and talk to a husband and wife duo who were doing a good thing, let me remind you. They sold a piece of property and gave money to the work of God. I would applaud that. Hey, somebody wants to do that, go ahead. But where, where did Ananias and Sapphira mess up? They didn't do what they told God they were going to do. And let me just remind you, there is no record of a communication between Ananias and Sapphira with Peter before this takes place. Which tells me, that they didn't go to the pastor and say, Pastor, we're going to sell this land and give it all to the church and then go back on their word. You know what they did, Brother Amos? They said, God, I'm going to give you everything I got. I'm going to sell my property and I'm going to give it all to you. You know, the Bible says that we give an account of our thoughts. They may not have even spoken it in prayer. They may have just thought it, discussed it among themselves and said, you know what, this is what we're going to do for the Lord. We're going to sell this property and we're going to give it all to the Lord. But what happened? Well, they got the money in their hand. Man, that's a lot of money. Maybe they got more than they thought they would. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But they sold the land. And they got the money in their hand. That money belonged to them because the land belonged to them. But they had told God they were already going to do something with it. They had opened their mouth to the Lord. And you know what they did? 
They feared that money more than they feared God. And the Bible says they kept back part. The Bible doesn't even say they kept back a majority. The Bible doesn't even say they kept back half. You know what? They may have just had a bill that was outstanding. And it's only a fraction of the cost of this land that we just sold and this money just came in. I know we said we were going to give it all to God, but we can pay this bill off and make things a little bit easier, and then we'll give the rest of it to the Lord. Well, what's so bad about that, Brother Montgomery? Because it's not what they said they were going to do. That's not what they told God they were going to do. And their fear of God wasn't what it should be. And the Bible says that God took their very lives for lying to the Holy Spirit of God. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Half is not enough. There's a God in heaven who loves you this morning. Though we should fear God because he is a living God, he is a God of love, but he's a God of judgment. We should fear God, but he deserves our fear, our respect, our admiration, our praise, just because of who he is. And he loves you this morning. He wants one thing from you. He wants your all. As I said, there's been times in my life that I've gave him a portion. But I have not given my all. This morning, have you given God some of your faith? But you're still holding on to church attendance to get you to heaven? Have you given God some of your faith, but you're still holding on to being a good person? I'm good enough. I'm not that bad. No, friend, we're all sinners. There's none of us that can help ourselves. It's either all of Jesus, it's either all of grace, or it's none of grace. This morning, have you given God your all when it comes to salvation? Have you put your faith completely and wholly in him for your eternity? Christian, what about it? Are you being faithful to the Lord like you know you should be? I'm not asking you what anybody else thinks you should be doing. I'm asking you, are you doing what you know God wants you to do? Are you being faithful the way that God wants you to be faithful? Are you following how God wants you to follow? Is there something in your heart that you know is not right? You've given God most, but not all. Maybe you've promised God something. I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. But you've gone back on your word because you've only feared God partially. This morning, why don't we give him our all? I hate, I would hate to think as I went to my Bible in the morning and I began to read, God would be in heaven saying, stop it. Why are you doing that? I would hate to think when I got on my knees to pray, God would say, I don't want to hear it. 
I despise your prayer. Because you haven't given me your all. God wouldn't do that to me. According to the word of God, he would. This morning, half is not enough. So let's give him our all. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless this morning your word. Speak to our hearts.